following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Put some of those gifts to work and, uh, and give them away. So, anyway, um, we're back in Mark chapter 2 this morning. Um, we're going to look at verse 18 through 22, and that's page 837 in a pew Bibles, if that's helpful to you. And we are going to, um, we're going to be dealing with one of life's great questions, one of, one of the great mysteries of life, um, as we look at this text in the Gospel of Mark. And I'm sure the question will be very obvious to you as we read through the text. Um, But first, let's pray. Father, we are so grateful to be able to gather together to celebrate you this morning. We, We come here to be blessed, but to also bless you. Um, We gather to worship your name in the various uh, gifts that you have given to each of us to be used for your glory. And, um, just thank you for the opportunity to do that uh, so freely week after week. Um, and any time we feel like it, we can, we can do it, Lord. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. May we all take advantage of that. And, Lord, as we turn our attention to your word this morning, I pray that you would help us to focus, help us to listen hard for your spirit speaking, um, that we would be able to uh, mm, mm, uh, discern between what is right and what's wrong, um, and, and find the right and do the right. And we give you permission, Lord, to speak to us and to mess our lives up for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So Mark 2, start at verse 18, and listen for the question. Now, John, John the Baptist, uh, John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. And people came and said to him, Why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in that day. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the patch tears away from it, the new from the old, and a worse tear is made. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and the wine is destroyed, and so are the skins. But new wine is for fresh wineskins. Okay, so you must know the question. It's very obvious. Do you pick it? Pick up on it? Red or white wine, almost. That's it's close. This is one of life's great questions. You didn't see it there in the text. No, maybe it's not that obvious. What is the best way to destroy an acorn? That is the question posed here in the text. What is the best way? To destroy an acorn. That is a way, but the question is, what is the best way? 
Maybe it's not as obvious to you as it really stuck out to me. No? Right. That's what you go to school for, to ask questions nobody's, answer questions no one is asking. That's nuts. That's nuts. Oh, dear. Well, maybe the acorn part isn't that obvious. Let's look at the parts that are obvious. The first part that is obvious is the question about fasting. Uh, it's so obvious, they put it as the heading in the verses there in some versions, a question about fasting. Well, this is a good question, I think. What is fasting? Um, there's a lot... Um, a lot of people ask about fasting and how to fast properly. So let's look at it. Um, what it, what is it? What to go to fast is to go without food for a set time as a religious duty. I say I'm going to fast for the day. I'm not going to eat anything today uh, for um, as part of my worship. That's the dictionary definition of fasting. If you look it up, that's what you'll find. And lots of people have lots of different ideas about fasting and the purpose of fasting and the practice of fasting. Um, Lent is one of those great um, examples. People say, I'm giving up something for Lent. Um, so like, a, I will not eat a chocolate for the 40 days between Christmas and Easter. That's Lent. We don't talk about Lent because it's not in the Bible and it's just a, it's a man-made thing. And so is giving things up for Lent. You don't fast for Lent because if you go for 40 days without food, you get very close to the Lord by dying. <laughs> so people say, I'm just going to fast from coffee or chocolate or I'm going to give up something for some spiritual purpose, uh, some spiritual benefit. Now, there is a dictionary word for that practice. Do you know what it is? Superstition. I'm going to give up this, and God's going to give me this, or I'm going to get this thing. This is not how it works. This is not biblical practice. So when somebody says, what are you giving up for Lent? I, I give up the same thing for Lent every year. I give up giving up things for Lent every year. I don't give up anything at all. Well, so, but the real definition of fasting, going without food for a set period of time for, as a, a religious duty. And the definition, the dictionary definition of fasting is accurate, but there's an implication to fasting as well. And this fasting implies mourning. Um, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, mourning. Fasting is a solemn and sad expression. Um, so, more trivia for you. Do you know how many times in the Old Testament the people of Israel per year are required to fast? Come on, you Old Testament scholars. Four? Is that what you're saying? That's your, that's your guess. Okay. Anybody else? Three, four, infinity, Google, Googleplex. It's, it's one. It's only once. In Leviticus chapter 16, you can look this up later, 
uh, Leviticus 16, verses 29 through 34, describes the one and only time every year where the people of Israel were told to fast. Um, the, the English Standard Version that I read out of here uh, says to afflict themselves, meaning fasting. It's a punishment for yourself. So only one time. Do you know what day it was? No, we're not doing good with trivia this morning. Saturday? That, that happens every week. So that would be a lot. It's a day of Yom Kippur is what they call it now. Uh, they were to afflict themselves by fasting, wearing burlap um, sackcloth, uh, made, cloth made from a sack. <laughs> I guess you have to make a suit of a paper bag or plastic bag now. Anyway, sorry. So since Jesus, we know, never violated the law, never once disobeyed the law of Moses, he and his disciples would have been fasting on the Day of Atonement. So we know that this day is not that day. Um, And that's very important. It means that he was questioned about fasting on some other fast day. Because if it was the Day of Atonement, he and his disciples would be fasting. Um, So it's possible that the Pharisees and the disciples of John the Baptist were fasting because they... Uh, were sad that John, or were upset that John the Baptist had been imprisoned. He was in prison at this time. Um, though the text doesn't say that specifically, that is a possibility. Um, it's also very possible that it was just Thursday. Uh, and <laughs> we laugh at that, but the Pharisees established fast days every Monday and every Thursday. Uh, they had a whole new list of rules that were added to the Word of God, that were added to the law, uh, some of which required fasting multiple times a week. Monday and Thursdays were set as uh, fast days. Um, but I assure you that the Pharisees' um, motives went far beyond God's approval. They did not add all these rules on to make God happier with them. Um, I'm sure this is not at all familiar to any of us here how anyone would add extra rules onto God's Word to make you a little more spiritual, right? Hmm. Maybe. There might be a rule about playing music on a cigar box uh, or cutting a hymnal and a pew apart. (laughs) Don't tell my parents. All right. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, Verse 16 through 18, he talks about fasting here. He says, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, to me, this is the hypocrites. He's talking about the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious leaders, people that would do their outward spirituality. They would do their spirituality outwardly, so everybody can see it, regardless of what was going on inwardly in their hearts. So, if it's a fast day, you you, you don't take a shower that day, and you wear your fasting clothes with your raggedy burlap 
and you, you make disfigure your face. <laughs> make it look sad so everybody can tell. Look how, look at them. This is a fast day. They're, you know, look how spiritual they look. Uh, don't comb your hair. Nothing like that. So, this is obvious. How would people know whether or not Jesus and his disciples were fasting? Um, well, obviously, if they saw them eating, they would know they're not, they're not fasting. They, they're at McDonald's. They're not fasting there. Anyway, um, <laughs> sorry. But they would also not uh, follow the pattern of the Pharisees and go out of their way to, to display that they were fasting right? by wearing their mourning clothes and making sure they looked miserable and uh, so everybody could see just how pious and spiritual they are. It's clear that they did not have Facebook because when you give up something for Lent, you tell everybody, right? That's how everyone will know how spiritual you are. I'm giving up chocolate for Lent this year. Oh, boy, look at you. This is not... You've received your reward already, is what Jesus said. You're just trying to impress other people. Congratulations, you did it, and that's all the reward there is for that, you know. And that's not really worth very much. Jesus made it very clear that when you seek the approval of men for your spirituality, you, you may get it, but that's the only reward you get. God does not like that sort of thing. Now, John's disciples and the Pharisees were, dis, were, fa, were fasting, and people came and said to them, Why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding, fe- wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. Fasting is for funerals, right? Feasting is for weddings. Feasting is for feasts. Jesus' coming was a fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies of Messiah. The long-awaited Christ, the long-awaited Emmanuel had come. It was a time for celebrating, not for mourning. Why would the disciples fast? 700 prophecies of Messiah are being fulfilled right in front of their faces. Oh, we probably ought to take a day off from eating and be sad. No, we celebrate. Jesus said he can't. Why would they do that right now? Messiah's in their midst. That's a, that's a foolish thing to do. It's a time to celebrate. Ray Stedman said, instead of a fast, it is a feast. Instead of the sackcloth, there is a robe. Instead of sad solemnity, there ought to be joy. This is what we see the ladies say this morning. There ought to be joy. There are things that make us sad. I get it. Believe me. There are things we don't like happen. When we're, we mourn over things, a lot, lots of people uh, hurting people, things going, like Josh said, teaching abortion in a high school and having a center to get it done in a school. This is terrible. And we should mourn over that. But that's not all there is. This is just the dying gasps of the world. Things are going to change when Jesus comes back. And that is worth having a joy. I say a definition of joy often gets confused with happiness. Right? 
But if you're experiencing joy, you must be smiling. No. Generally, uh, it's just a speaker for myself. When I experience joy, I'm usually cry. Because happiness is based on circumstances. Your team wins the football game. Happy. Then there was last Sunday. Sad. <laughs> right? That's not joy. Joy is experiencing and expressing uh, a relation to God and gratefulness uh, for him and what he is doing, regardless of how things are going for us. Um, it's very different than be happy or sad. That's not in the notes. You're welcome. Verse 20. Verse 20 is Mark's first record of Jesus hinting at his crucifixion. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from that day. That day. Nowhere does Jesus condemn the practice of fasting. That's also important. I'm making fun of Lent. But Jesus does not condemn the practice of fasting. But like everything, he is concerned with the motivation behind it. Why would you fast? Fasting is appropriate when you are sad. But it should never be exercised to win the approval of others. Nor should it be exercised as a superstitious effort to get something from God. I'm going to start fasting every Monday so that Jesus will uh, make sure my kid gets into the right college. That happens without fasting. <laughs> it's, we're not twisting God's arm by practicing the fasting. So there's still lots of questions about fasting and how it's done and why it's done. Um, but it's funny uh, Jesus, instead of taking time to explain it to us here, um, he moves on to a very weird illustration, and it like totally unrelated, so it seems. Now, we've talked about this before. The Gospels are written strategically. It's not a record of every single word or every single deed that Jesus did. The Gospels were strategically written, and things were included strategically in order to um, uh, accomplish God's purpose. So here Jesus comes out of left field with some confusing thoughts on some very often misinterpreted verses. Okay, verse 21. If this is your life verse, I'm sorry. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the patch tears away from it, the new from the old, and a worse tear is made. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and the wine is destroyed, and so are the skins. But new wine is for fresh wineskins. Now, it's very clear he's talking about fasting. Thank you for laughing. Is it true... That fabric that has not been shrunk uh, will tear fabric that has been shrunk if you sew them together and wash them. Yes, like putting your wool sweater in a dryer. It disappears, right? Now you have a Barbie sweater. Um, so is it generally true? Yes, it's generally true. Is it true that you, if... Um, is it true... 
that if you are to pour new wine that is still fermenting into old, stiff, brittle leather wineskins, that they will burst. The carbon dioxide that is created during fermentation will cause the old skins that have lost their elasticity to blow up and burst because they can't stretch anymore. But the new wineskins are still supple, still stretchy. And they can take the strain and grow. So, yes, new wine is for fresh wineskins. That is generally true. What on earth does that have to do with fasting? Because is, is there a heading in your Bible that separates these? There's not even a paragraph that, that is, tells you time to switch gears and talk about something else. There's no heading, there's no paragraph. These must be connected. These are just the parts that are less obvious. These verses have been fortune cookied in church ministry, in church leadership, taken out of context and had their meaning stretched to justify pastors moving from one church to the other. This has been my personal experience with these. Um, I've been guilty of using these uh, these verses and these thoughts this way. And what I mean is to say, when someone says, well, you got to put new wine and new wineskins. You can't put new wine and old wineskins. So what that means is that these old farts can't handle your newfangled ideas, so you need to go find another group of people that is ready to just go crazy. That's the truth. That's, that's exactly how this expression gets used. Maybe not <laughs> using the same words exactly. But it's when a, this, this, this church is too set in its ways and they can't take new ideas. And you have too many new ideas, so you need to go find some other church. Friends, that's how I got here. But that is not even close to what Jesus is talking about. Not even close. Think about this context. Who is Jesus talking to? He's not talking to seminary students, right? He's not talking to pastors in training. He's talking to, to um, the, <laughs> the Pharisees and their disciples and the disciples of John. They're, he's dealing with um, what scholars call you can impress your friends. Ascetic ritualism, right? That's all that means is that um, is is following God in that day. It meant you had to practice strict self denial and adherence to religious rituals, um, especially in such a way that those in spiritual authority and everybody else around you could see it. This is the this is the issue that Jesus is dealing with. Not whether or not pastor called to a different church or can't stay this one anymore. This is about special fast days, special fasting clothes, ritual hand washing, counting your steps on the Sabbath day so that you wouldn't be caught working. The scribes and the Pharisees had added layer upon layer of rules onto the law of Moses, creating a legalistic system that didn't set people free. It enslaved people. And Jesus recognized this. So when people asked Jesus why he and his disciples didn't fast like the Pharisees and the disciples of John, 
He used these two word pictures of new patches and new wine and new wineskins to illustrate that you just cannot add him on to the old way. Onto the Pharisees' expression of religion. You know, the Pharisees wouldn't have minded Jesus. They wouldn't have minded his teaching if he would have just followed their rules. Piece of cake. (laughs) Robert Jameson wrote, By a mongrel mixture of the ascetic ritualism of the old with the spiritual freedom of the new, both get disfigured and destroyed. You cannot just... Add Jesus on to this whole list of other rules like frosting on a cake. That's not how it works. Jesus came to set people free from this stuff, from these religious laws. That's what the people that questioned Jesus wanted. They wanted to just add his new way of doing things onto their old way of doing things, and everybody's happy, right? Just look, Jesus, just, just tone your message down a little bit. Right? Maybe, you know, don't make fun of the Pharisees and our establishment quite so much. Maybe just compromise your message a little bit. Compromise your work a little bit to fit into the culture of the day. Doesn't sound at all familiar, does it? It's exactly what's happening in the church today. You want people to come to church, probably don't offend them when they get there. Don't, maybe not say things in a pulpit and uh, tell people that they're bad because everybody's pretty much good. No. Everybody's on Santa's naughty list. They're all my friends on Facebook. You see my picture there. Santa, Santa Claus' face says they're all naughty. And it's true. And that's based on Scripture. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We are not good. We are, mankind is not basically good. But this is what the people wanted Jesus to do. Just tone it down and we'll all get along. And you'll be very popular. Just do it our way. Everybody will like it. It's not right. In the purest sense, the Pharisees and Judaism as a whole shared the same goal with Christianity. There's a connection with God, right? Judaism sought it through the law. And through their lineage, if you're a child of Abraham, like literally related to Abraham, you can trace your line back. You're okay. You get to go to God's kingdom just because of that. That's, uh, that's not tried. The Pharisees sought it, sought connection with God by, by works and adding these rules and follow the extra rules to keep God from getting mad at you. Right? But through Christ, we are offered freedom. We're offered freedom to relate to God as Father, not, not, not based on our bloodline, not based on our works, but based on faith in His Son. Not our religious effort. So Jesus' points with the cloth and the wineskins is that you just can't add this kind of freedom to a system designed to make slaves. The Pharisees sought to control people with their rules. Jesus came to fulfill the law to set people free. That we could relate to God in a whole new way, not to just breathe new life into the old rules. And that's the answer to life's great question. What's the best way to destroy an acorn? 
Don't you get it? Still no. Well, there's many ways to destroy an acorn. Like James said, you can't smash it with a hammer. You can't burn it. Right? You can, I don't know, shoot it into space. I guess it still exists, not destroyed. But let's not get too existential. There are lots of ways to destroy an acorn. You could burn it, you could smash it, but you can also plant it. Planting an acorn is the same. Either way, the acorn gets destroyed. Either way, the acorn is gone. But only one of those ways, the best way to destroy an acorn, fulfills the acorn's purpose, and that's to plant a new tree. Jesus came not to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. All of these rules that the Pharisees were putting on people, all of the religious rules that even churches today put on people, is destroying acorns. It's just use, it's misusing the law. You say, the, the law is given for you to obey. Well, kind of. The law is given so that we can see that we can't obey. It's impossible. The Pharisees added six hundred, like six hundred or six thousand more rules onto the Ten Commandments. Right? Anybody been able to get the first ten right all the time? No. The law is given to show that we cannot do it on our own. Jesus came to fulfill the law. So that something new would be made. And that's a new way to get a a relationship with God. Not through our own obedience. By accepting the work that's already been done on our behalf. Through Jesus. That new tree is a new way of faith. And we are all through faith connected to God in this way. This new tree we call the church. And they only get to be part of that by faith in Jesus Christ. That's how you get to be adopted as God's child. So, I guess the real question is not really about acorns. But have you accepted this new way? Have you been adopted into this family? Have you been made God's child? through faith in Jesus Christ, not through your own effort, not through your own religious practice, not through your own lineage, not through your own history, but only through faith in Jesus, accepting that his sacrifice was on for you. He took your place. When you don't, uh, if you are not willing to tell people that they are bad, that we are all sinners and fall short of the glory of God, If we do not accept that truth, then Jesus died on a cross for nothing. His death is worthless if we are good. What was the point? He died a sinner's death in our place. And it's only by accepting that sacrifice through faith that we get to be part of God's eternal family. And if you have not, uh, if you have not crossed over to that, you can still ask Christ forgiveness for your sins. You can invite Him into your heart right now. You can ask Him for forgiveness, invite Him in, and God the Father will adopt you as His child. That's the good news. Right? 
that's that's the whole new wine skin and old wine and new cloth and acorns. The whole works. Faith in Jesus is not an add-on to our religion. It's an abolishment of religion. Only relationship. That's what counts. Relationship with God our Father through faith in Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this word, Lord. Um, still seem a little confusing to me, so I pray that your Holy Spirit would interpret it for us, uh, that we would see what it is you're really saying, that we would not um, blindly accept the teachings of men, um, but we would measure them by your word. Uh, thank you, Lord, for a little bit of clarity on these expressions that have been so misused. I uh, thank you, Lord, for the freedom that we have in Christ, uh, freedom from the Pharisees' rules and freedom from the law because you have fulfilled it, not destroyed it. And we are grateful for that. Lord, I do pray if there's anyone here that has not put their faith in you, who have not accepted uh, the death of Christ for, on their behalf, I pray that even now they would just simply ask you to forgive them, to give them a new life, that they turn from their ways of sin uh, to ways of faith in you. And may we all follow you more closely, Lord. Especially this time of year, we're so distracted with other things, with the trees and presents and, and, and all of that, Lord. Help us to remain focused and share your love with people. For we do love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together and sing. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.